musicians tonight. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Joel. The book of Joel, chapter 2. The book of Joel, chapter 2, and verse 23. I've just simply entitled this little message tonight, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. How many knows God is a big God? How many knows God's got everything under control? God knows everything that's going on, and he has everything in control. Amen. Joel, chapter 2, verse 23. Just one, one verse of Scripture. And Joel, then we'll move to another scripture in Haggai. Joel chapter 2 verse 23 says this, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down upon you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Amen. The Bible says be glad, children of the Lord. How many children of the Lord's we have in here tonight? Be glad, you children of the Lord, and rejoice to the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. Now turn over to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says, The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord. Amen. Now I know you know this, but let me just remind you that the glory and everything about God is progressive. Everything about God, you'll never find God where he's moving backwards. He's always moving forward. You'll never find in Scripture where he's moving sideways to the left or the right. He's always got to got focus ahead, ahead of being progressive. He's always building. He's always outdoing himself. When you look at the Scriptures, you'll find Jesus, when he began his ministry, it starts with something that seems insignificant, where he turned water into wine, his first miracle. It was a wedding, the feast that was going on, and he was there, and, and they had run out of the wine. You know the story, and they came to him, and he, he turned the water into wine. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a life or death situation, but his ministry moved from turning the water into wine to opening blinded eyes. It moved from that to making the lame to walk and casting out devils and feeding the multitude and raising the dead. It went on from, uh, from, from turning the water into wine. As a matter of fact, Jesus does not know the word impossible. In Matthew chapter 19 verse 26 the Bible says but Jesus looked at them and he said to them with men this is impossible but with God all things are are possible. Look at your neighbor say all things are possible with God. When you look over in the, in the book of Mark chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus says if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. If you can just believe, if you can just get something that's built up on the inside of you that says Lord I believe what you're saying, I believe what you're doing, that all things are possible to him who believes. You can look around just like I look around and I see the impossible can conditions of our society. We look at the condition of darkness and the condition of confusion. We, we look at the condition of hopelessness and perversion and corruption all around us. But Jesus looks at all of these things as well. And do you understand? He's got the world in the palm of his hand. And he sees a perfect opportunity for a miracle. A perfect backdrop for the display of his glory. Now I've got to admit to you, there's things that looks bad. There's things that's going on in a world that is bad. Matter of fact, 
the things that took place last night, even in our little community, where 13 was shot in one, in one episode. That is a bad thing. And we get to thinking, Lord, is this world going to get any better? Is it going to get any better? Can I tell you, Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's still coming. He's still, you're still the apple of his eye. And what seems like a hopeless situation for you and I, it's a perfect opportunity for God's word to go forth. It's a perfect opportunity for God to show up and display his glory. It's a perfect opportunity for God just to do something big. Do you understand that when Jesus was born, the angels left heaven and they come down and they begin to sing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men because Jesus left his throne and he came down as a little bitty baby and they came down to worship him. They had never experienced anything like that in heaven. This was all new to them, but they did not want to be where Jesus was not. Oh, that's a message right there. Can I tell you, I don't want to be anywhere where the Lord's not. I want to be exactly where Jesus Christ is in our midst. Amen. And so many times what looks like a breakdown to the Lord is just a setup for a breakthrough. Hallelujah. It's just a setup for a breakthrough. No wine at the wedding. Oh, it may have been embarrassing to the family of that day. The reputation of the groom may have been at stake that day. But it was not a problem for Jesus. He just simply turned the water into wine. Matter of fact, when they brought the wine out, the guy said, Hey, you saved the best for last. He just simply done a miracle and he done it the best way that he knew how. And then you go over in Scripture, you find a little story about the daughter of Jairus. In Mark chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible says, And they begged him earnestly, saying, My daughter, lie at the point of death I want you to come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live and this guy you'll understand as the story goes he, he was the ruler of the synagogue whose little girl was at the point of death and Jesus began to head off to his, to his house in order to, to touch this little girl and, and heal this little girl but all of a sudden while he was on his way you know and I know that he was interrupted along the process he was interrupted by a little woman that for 12 years had had an issue of blood. She had tried all the doctors. She had tried everything that she knew what to try. She had given up on everything. But she heard there was a man by the name of Jesus who was coming to her village, who was coming to her town. And she made this statement and this thought in her mind, if I can just get to where Jesus is, if I can just reach out and touch the hem of his garment. She didn't worry about what how busy he was. She wasn't concerned about if he had things that he had to do. She wasn't concerned about if he if she was going to get in his way all she understood if I can just get to the hem of his garment if I can just reach out and touch him you know the story this woman was weak she had lost a lot of blood she was sick you know how you feel when you're sick you just don't want to do nothing amen I got sick one time a few days ago in Honduras I don't know if it was something that I ate or something in the water I don't know but all day I laid in the hotel room I had chills, I had a fever, two, fe- two, two bouts of fever, matter of fact. One was real high, I don't know how high it got. But I laid there shivering, just burning up. All the while I was doing that, there was a rat or a bird or something up in the ceiling just knocking stuff down on my head. I was sick. I didn't want no stinking varmint putting stuff on my head. I didn't want stuff in my bed, but that's the, that was just where I was. And at that moment, I didn't want nobody in the room. I didn't want to hear nothing from nobody. I just wanted to be by myself. You know how it is. You're just sick and you just want to be there. This little woman was sick. She was so sick, Brother Roger. She she just barely had the strength. But she made up her mind. I've got to get to where Jesus is. 
Now, y'all quiet tonight, but that's all right. I'm going to preach to you anyway. There's some point in our life where we feel like we don't want nobody to be around. There's moments in our life we don't even feel like Jesus needs to be around. But if we would just make up our mind to say, I don't care what gets in my way. I don't care the conditions that I feel. I don't care what's going on. I've got to get where Jesus is. And get yourself into your prayer closet, lock the door, and make a determination. I ain't going to come out until he blesses me. Amen. And the Lord will meet you. And this little woman was the same way. But you'll understand that all the while all this was going on, and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, he automatically knew that power had left his body. And this woman was healed. You know the story. But even just a little bit after that, there was a messenger that came to Jesus and Jairus and said, and interrupts and said, Lord, don't, don't trouble the master any longer. Your daughter is dead. Now, you've got to understand the condition of this father. I made the trip to go get this guy. I, I took time out of my schedule of being the ruler of the synagogue. I spent my own money going to get Jesus. I, I had enough nerve to get up and ask him, Master, would you, would you come to my house? My daughter is sick. She just needs you to touch her. And, 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 he, and he agreed to come. But while he was coming, I had his attention. I had his, his audience at that time. But while we were going, this woman interrupted our schedule. While we was in, in process to, to go and touch my little girl that I love, why didn't I come sooner to the master? Do you understand that the messenger said, don't, don't bother the master any longer, your daughter is dead? That all of a sudden the stage began to be set for Jesus to display his glory. The stage began to be set for Jesus just to do a, another miracle in their midst. And then you've got to understand the guilt of this dad. Why, why did I let my pride stand in the way? I should have listened to my wife. I should have went when she said to go. Like I was talking to you a little bit about this morning. I should have done what my wife told me to do a day ago. I should have done what she told me to do two days ago. Whatever the case may be. My baby girl is dead. She's only 12 years old. Isn't it amazing that the woman that got healed was sick? How long? 12 years. And this little girl was 12 years old. And matter of fact, anger may have took over our life. And, and we may have made it if this woman had not stopped Jesus. And now, and now she's healed. She's got, her, she's got her healing. She's got her deliverance. But my daughter is dead. This guy was my last hope. I've tried everything else. I learned how, how he turned the water into wine. I've understood how he healed the nobleman's son. I've listened to the stories of how he healed and delivered the demonic man. But now my daughter is not sick. She's not demonized. She is dead. She's dead. Jesus began to speak to this man and he says these words, Fear not, only believe. Fear not, only believe. Fear not, only believe. Jesus says if you can believe all things, all things are possible to him who believes. He goes on to say with me and all things are impossible. But with God, all things, even death, Lord, even death is, is, is possible to you. Yes. Death is even possible to the Lord. Death is even possible. Fear not, only believe. The house, when they get there, you know the story, is filled with mourning. It's, it's filled with weeping. It's filled with wailing. And, and death is, is hanging in the air. And man sees darkness. He sees death. He sees sorrow. He sees pain. Jesus sees a backdrop for a manifestation of the glory of Almighty God to let His glory be fulfilled. And He goes into that room after putting some folks out. He goes into that room 
came and said, little girl, I say unto thee, arise. And you know the story. The little girl come back to life. What a mighty, mighty move of a mighty God. What a mighty move of the Son of God. What a mighty move of a, of a little girl that was once dead, but now she is alive. We can be dead in our spirits tonight, church. But if we'll let a living God, a living Savior take control over our life, we can come back to life as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody one time said about Reinhardt Bunke's meetings, he said, we've now read and, and, and saw how, how water was turned into wine in the scriptures. We, 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 we saw where he's fed multitudes, we, that he's given sight to the blind. He, he's cast out devils. He, he's raised the dead. And surely even with the, knowing this of the Lord and, and being in Reinhardt Bunke's meetings, we saw the great power of God. We have saw the best of God. Surely we've seen the greatest manifestation of God's power and his glory. Can I tell you tonight, even though that may be true to somewhat, we still don't understand understand how big really God is. He's a big God. If he can do it back then, if he can do it for Reinhardt Bunky, he can do it for you and I today. He's still the same God. He doesn't run out of power. He doesn't run out of juice. He doesn't run out of his miracle working power. Amen. Give him praise. Hallelujah. The best is yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet. One day news came to Jesus and you know the story. One day news came to Jesus they told him about a guy that he really loved by the name of Lazarus. They told him, he whom thou lovest is sick. And upon his arrival, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Been in the tomb. Stone rolled in front of the tomb. Not seconds, not minutes, but days he'd been dead. When you look at the stone, that picture of the stone, it, it speaks of a finality speaks of a final resting place. You know as well as I know, we've been to funerals before and when they put that individual in the ground and they begin to cover them up, it speaks of it's a final thing. It's the last time that I will see them. It's a final thing. It's over, in other words. It's beyond help. The, the condition is incurable. The problem cannot be resolved. And, and, and Mary and Martha, they begin to ponder questions in their, in their minds the same way probably you and I would. And they asked him, Lord, if you'd have come earlier, you could have healed him. This was our brother that we dearly love. If you'd have come earlier, we, we, he would have been okay. Because we've sat with you. We've talked with you. We've ate supper with you. We've watched you do some things. If you'd have just got here earlier, Lord, everything would have been okay. If you'd have got him earlier, we, we believe you could have kept him from dying. But, Lord, now he's, he's in the tomb. Now he's got the stone rolled in front of the tomb. Have you ever wondered, ever thought, isn't it amazing how much we limit God? Isn't it amazing that we say, God, you can do this. But I, I don't know about this, Lord. This is big. This is a biggie here. It's almost, it's almost like God has only have enough education to do this. But, but he, he, he's got to go to master's or, or become a doctor in order to do whatever other thing. You know what I'm talking about? That he don't have all the, the infinite wisdom and the healings and all that kind of stuff. And we, we forget about what he's done in the scriptures. And I'm like you. I've often prayed, said, Lord, I've read of miracles in your word. Then why are we not seeing some of those last days things today? Why are we not seeing some dead being raised and, and, and those that are sick being healed? I mean, they are. But why are we not seeing them like it seems like that they did in the scriptures? I don't know about you, we, matter of fact, me and Brother Larry was talking about before, you can go overseas in some of the mission fields, and it seems like their heart is so hungry for the Word of God. 
Seems like their heart is so thirsty for just to get a glimpse of God. Even over in Honduras, some of the services that we went in, they would come in and, and some of these guys that went, they could testify to this. They would, they would come down to the altar before service and they would pray and they would just stay and pray. They would just linger with God. And when it come altar time, they, they love to worship God. They love to sing of the, of the blessings of God. They love all of that. And I think sometimes in America, we're, 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 we've pre- we're being preached to death the word of God. And we've lost the value of really what this word means sometimes. If we're not careful, we'll lose what what thus saith the word of God. And can I tell you, this is still God. This is still truth. This still applies to you and I today. And I told you this morning that you and I, we've got to make the decision. We've got to turn aside to that burning bush and we've got to make the decision. I'm going to go. I'm going to see what this thing is all about. And when we make that conscious decision, that's when God begins to speak and call our name. Amen. But we limit God. You can do this, but not that. You've got enough power to stop something from happening, God, but you can't really turn it around. Can I tell you that, that if we believe that, we're, we're dead wrong. If we believe that, we're dead wrong. I mean, this whole book that, that, we, that we read about every, every service, that we read about every day, this whole book, this whole book is about turning around. This whole book speaks to us about story after story and lesson after lesson about God can take the bad situation and turn it around to a good situation. Amen. We're not too late. He's not too late. Jesus told him. He said he got there. He said, don't worry about things. I'm the giver of life. I I understand what's going on. Take away the stone. Lord, you don't understand. He's been in there four days, and he stinketh now. His body is starting to decay. He stinks. Just take away the stone. And you know the story. He begins to call the name of Lazarus to come forth. And the Bible said he did come forth. And he come walking out of that grave. He come walking out of that tomb. And he said, go and loose him. Get the grave clothes off off of him in other words there's still some of us that comes to the house of God we may be walking in form but in our spirit we are completely dead we're dry we're like the bones that Ezekiel talked about that's just laying in the valley of of dry bones but what you and I've got to do and understand we've got to get the grave clothes off of us so God's spirit can get on the inside of us and the only way that we can do that is surrendering ourselves and being crucified with him amen We've got to sell out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Death had to let him go. And today, we see a society and a world that's seemingly out of control. Every day we're hearing of how God is being rejected and removed from everyday life. Every day we, we seem like we hear about God being taken out of our schools and, and Scripture being taken out of this. And, but, but, I, but at the same time, I heard of one school, it was today or yesterday, I can't remember, somebody, somebody talked to me that had a vote and they voted to bring prayer back into the school. They voted to bring uh, Scripture reading back into the school. Amen. Amen. But we, we, we've got this politically correct thing so bad that we feel like that we've, we've lost our common sense trying to be politically correct. Oh, Yeah. We've lost common sense trying to be politically correct. We don't want to offend anybody. Jesus offended, folks. His word was offensive at times. He went into the temple, started whipping a bunch of folk. How'd you like for me to do that next Sunday? I sure enough have to look for a church, wouldn't I? (laughs) And today we're seeing all of these things. Matter of fact, even our holidays seem not to have Christ in them anymore. What are you talking about, Pastor? The Devil's Day, Halloween. It gets more publicity than Resurrection Day. 
You'll have more commercials about Halloween than you will Resurrection Day. You'll have more stores offering all these sales about Halloween stuff than you will Resurrection Day. Come into life. Why do we want to be dead when we can live? Why do we want to celebrate the devil when he ain't done nothing good for us at all? Why do we want to celebrate him when he's out to rob, steal, kill, and destroy us? Why do we want to, why do we want to serve him and, and dress up and all this kind of stuff for him? I'm not saying that it's wrong for us not to have a good time and have a little fun. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. But for us to pay homage to the enemy instead of the giver of life. Something's wrong in our, in our society. Something is wrong. And we see the spirit of perversion. We see the spirit of worldliness and corruption sneaking into our churches and filling our pews and even in our pulpits, teaching and preaching a perverted, self-serving gospel, leading people into the lust of covetousness and greed. Jeremiah, when you go back into the scriptures, he speaks of a similar time. When you go to chapter 5, verse 31, the Bible says the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power and my people have to have it so. But what will you you do in the end. Can I tell you, let me just go ahead and just be up front with you. If I ever get to, to preach falsely things to you, if I ever get to prophesy falsely things, don't keep me as your pastor. Send me packing somewhere. Amen. I don't want to allow the enemy to run my life. I don't want the enemy to speak through me. I want the power and the presence of Almighty God to come through my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Another scripture that clarifies this in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. And this is exactly, I mean exactly where we are today in our world. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We've lost our common sense. We've lost our common sense. We look around and see and hear the, what's happening in our world and, and we can say, oh, it's getting bad. Or we can look to the Word of God and see the one that our best days are ahead of us because Jesus Christ is about to come. He's about to split the eastern skies and come back after His church. Hey, church, we ain't seen nothing yet. He's still in charge. He's still on the throne. We still serve a mighty, mighty, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And can I tell you this? He's just getting wound up. <laughs> he's just beginning. Devil may look like he's winning, but he, he, he better think again. <laughs> when, when in Scripture, when he had all the children killed by Pharaoh to try to keep God's promise from being fulfilled, you remember that. But God put the promise in Pharaoh's house. Said, no, we're not going to kill him. We'll just let Pharaoh's daughter raise him. You know, talking about when, when we all got this thing started with Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and all the patriarchs of old. We'll let, we'll let Pharaoh raise him. Isn't, how, isn't that wonderful how God works? And God can take a situation like that and turn it around. When the children of Israel were trapped at the Red Sea in the wilderness, he, the Egyptian army behind them, but God turned that sea into a highway where they could just walk through. You may feel like that whatever's going on in your life, it seems impassable. You may feel like that the waters ahead of you is just, is just tough and, you, and you're not going to get. Can I tell you, God can separate those waters. 
God can separate those waters and you can walk through. Yes, the devil is working hard. And yes, we do see evil and weakness and, and perversion all around us. But don't turn the switch of faith off tonight, church. Hallelujah. Because God is still on the throne. He's still up to something. He saved the best for last. If he can turn water into wine and pull that wine out, Brother Michael, and save the best for last, he can turn this bad situation into a wonderful situation in our midst as we get ready to be ushered into the throne room tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Musicians, come if you will. So let the devil paint the darkest picture if you want to. Let the devil paint the saddest picture, the most perverse picture if you want to. Let the devil paint the most hopelessness picture and despair and sin that he has ever painted. Can I tell you the God that you and I serve? It's the God that is going to turn it all that hopelessness and despair and all these things, God can turn that into a backdrop of His greatest display of the glory that this world has ever known. We, as God's people, we've got to trust in Him. We just simply have to believe upon Him. We simply have to give Him everything in our midst. I don't know why it is, but I've thought a lot this last week about, I think it was either Sunday or Wednesday, I can't remember that when I, when I talked to you about the Apostle Paul. About being crucified, I think it was last Wednesday night, about being crucified with him. Paul made the statement, he said, I live, but not I. Yet it's Christ that lives within me. He said, it's not me that you see anymore. Now, y'all know the story of Paul. Everything in his life wasn't so, wasn't so good. He had some rough times getting started. Matter of fact, a lot of times we attribute Paul that when he got saved, he just automatically went to working with the apostles. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. They was afraid of that guy. They didn't want nothing to do with him. Matter of fact, Paul had to go off for a while, a season, for a few years, matter of fact, before they allowed him to come back and begin working with the apostles. But Paul had a change. He, he got one of those turnaround anointings. God threw him for a loop and it changed his whole life. Changed him. And Paul said, that's why he was, he was able to say to his people, now I wouldn't say this to you because I know me. Paul said, I want you to follow me. He said, I want you to pattern yourself after me. We think, well, that was sort of bold and conceited, but that's not what Paul meant. He had experienced something in his life that he was sure. What I've got, you need. What I've, it's not nothing about me, Paul said. It's all about him. It's all about him. And Paul said, I've got to the place in my life where I have crucified myself with him. I'm living. I'm breathing. My heart's beating. I'm walking around. I'm speaking. I'm doing all the things that somebody alive is going to do, but yet... It's not I that lives in me because the old man wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> the old guy would be going out there killing Christians. The old Paul would be going out there throwing Christians in jail. The old guy would be spewing out things that I shouldn't even be saying. But this new guy, this, this guy that lives on the inside of me, I'm living. But it ain't I, but it's Christ that lives Within me. If we'll allow God, He'll display, He'll make, He'll make this bad situation to the greatest display that we'll ever see. 
I love watching these guys come and they, y- y'all saw them before, they got these big murals and they begin painting. And you don't know what they're painting until they get down to the very end. Y'all, y'all saw that before. And it's amazing what those guys can do. And how they do a picture of Jesus or a picture of the cross or a picture of something. And it's just a beautiful picture of display. What they've just done, they've, they've, they've taken something that was raw. They've taken something that didn't look like much, but they changed the color, the effects, the, the lines, and they made something beautiful out of it. They've made something beautiful out of it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 said this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We know that scripture. We understand that scripture. But the last part of that verse says this. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What words? He's coming. (laughs) Comfort one another. He's coming. Pastor, it's bad. I know, but he's coming. Pastor, I'm going through some stuff. I understand. He's coming. My family is in shambles. I understand. I'm praying for you, but I want you to know he's coming. I'm lonely. My spouse is gone. My spouse has left me. My children won't have nothing to do with me. I I don't like the condition. I I understand. My heart goes out to you, but I want to let you know, don't give up. He's coming. He's coming. Everywhere you read today, I don't have to tell you this, but everywhere you read in the, in the religious circles, John Hagee says it. Minister after minister after minister says it. Matter of fact, Karen read me, uh, a guy over in Jonesboro that, that God gave him a, a vision or a dream and he was telling his church this morning, we, it's everywhere that in September, I don't know what's going to happen in September, but these guys say that something significant is going to take place in September. I don't know what it is. And they're calling God's people to be ready. Now there's some that's saying you need to stock up on canned goods. You need to stock up on this. And I'm not saying you don't have to. You can do that. That's okay to do. Somebody's got to eat them. So you might as well eat them. Stock up on it. Matter of fact, I might get hungry. So I might need a can of noodles or something. Stock up on it if you want to. But more important than that. Pull your money out of your bank if you want to. Put it somewhere where nobody's going to find it. It'll be all right. But more important than that, make your preparations with the Lord. Make your preparations with God. Make your preparations that you will see Him face to face. Say, Pastor, do you really think that this is going to take place? I don't know. There's a lot of things that's going on. I would have never thought that happened. It's happening now. So, in other words, it could be. I'm just telling you, there are signs in the air. There are signs around us, all around us, that simply tells us and points us to what the Scripture says. I'm coming. I'm coming. Be ready. In an hour that you think not, the Son of Man comes. In an hour that you think not, go and do your thing if you want to. Go and do your thing all you want to. Make your plans all you want to. There's nothing wrong with that. But I will tell you, in the midst of all of those plans, you better make plans with Christ. 
You better make plans to understand that your plans is invalid if he decides to come. Jesus told him, he said, comfort one another with these words. This is the scripture Brother Michael says, when you see these things take place, even tell one another even more. Speak to one another, comfort one another even more about the coming of Christ. Now, I don't know where your heart is tonight, church. Only you and God knows, really knows that. Oh, I see things just like you see things, but really you and God are the only ones that know where your heart is tonight. But I want to encourage you. I'm trying to comfort you with these words. And these words are, He is coming. He's coming. And you and I, we've got to continue to work to win as many as we can for the sake of Jesus Christ. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all, that all will come, that all will come and have life through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not willing that any should perish. He died for every one of them. Even the mean people of our world, he died for. Even those folks that we don't want to hang around, he died for. And so we've got to do our part. We've got to, we've got to shine. We've got to let this little light shine that's in us where that the world will see Jesus burning on the inside of us. And I'd be amiss if I didn't tell you this. There's moments... And don't get me wrong, Karen can tell you, my ch- and Abby can tell you, I'm not a perfect guy. I make mistakes just like everybody else. I mess up, Brother Roger, just like everybody else. I, I have to do some apologizing sometimes. But I know my heart, and my heart wants to see Jesus. I want to see Him. I want to be able to bow at His feet. Grab a hold of his legs and, his, and just say, Lord, I love you and I worship you. I want to hear him say, Brother Michael, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say, you've been faithful over just a few things. See, that boy, that helps me right there. I didn't have to be perfect at all of them. I just got to be faithful, Brother Wendell, just a little bit of them. Just a few things. You've been faithful over a few things. I want you to come on in. I want to make you ruler over many Hallelujah. I want to see my Lord. And I want you to see your Lord as well. That's why I'm telling you. That's why I'd be amiss if I I didn't stop here and tell you, don't put it off. Don't neglect your salvation. Don't neglect it. If you neglect your car and you don't ever put any oil in it, eventually your motor is going to stop. Yes, it will. If you neglect your home and you don't ever do nothing to it, it will fall down around you. Yes, it will. And if you neglect your salvation, you'll be a Samson of old and you'll shake yourself one day and you will not even know that the presence of God has departed from you. I don't want to be that way. I want to be like Samson on the other side that shook myself and, whoo, there he is. Spiritually, I want to be able to rip cords apart. Spiritually, I want to be able to rip chains apart. Spiritually, I want to be able to take a donkey's jawbone and beat a thousand enemies down. Hello? Why? How can we do that, Pastor? Because we're not neglecting our salvation. We're seeking Him and we're we're going after the Lord. We're asking the presence of God to come into our life and to abide with us and rest with us. 
Don't think God's out. Don't think God's down for the ten count. He ain't. He's still on the throne. He's still on the throne. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Keep your eyes upon Him. Keep your eyes upon Him. Hallelujah. Father, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your word.